This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. The first question I always get after a tough loss is how's the team going to respond? And you've always shown that uh, you come back and work hard on Monday and get ready to play. And we did that. And if you will do that again, we will get better because we did some things still. We're still getting better. We are absolutely defensively for sure in a lot of ways. Offensively, um, I'm not, I don't think we have necessarily, but we are playing tougher defenses. You know, that was the best defense that we played. We're a team for a reason, you know, we're family. We got to stick in this together. Like we said from from day one, seasons are unexpected. You know, you got to expect the unexpected. And, uh, you know, we're, we really don't, we really didn't think that we would have a season like this. You know, it's, it's heartbreaking to look at it this way, but, you know, we just got to stick together and drive on to the next week. We can't do it on the past. Uh, we can only try to progress and uh, improve, and uh, I think that's what we're trying to do. You know, I think uh, it's important to show up with an attitude that, uh, you know, creates the kind of culture that we want, and uh, you got to express that to everybody, coaches, players, staff, everybody around this place. So, um, yeah, you know, I think that uh, sometimes you need to deliver some energy to, to the coaches and, and just like you do to the players and everybody else. And welcome to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Dan Hoppen as Nebraska sits at 2-4. and four. They suffer another heartbreaking loss to the hands of Wisconsin on Saturday. The road now doesn't get any easier. Uh, the Huskers travel to Minnesota this week uh, to take on a 4-2 and two Gopher team uh, that somewhat found their stride last week against Purdue. They've still struggled a lot this year on offense, uh, but their lone losses have come to Northwestern and TCU. Guys, uh, you look at this season, all four of Nebraska's losses, Robin, they've had the lead or been tied with 14 seconds left on the clock. I mean, there, there really hasn't been more of a gut punch year uh, than what we've seen in 2015. Yeah, I saw a stat yesterday that, uh, you know, I can't, I, can't, I can't remember how many. Oh, yeah, so all of last season, they had like maybe seven or so points where a team lost or games where a team lost uh, having the lead with like 10 seconds remaining. And this year there have been six, three of which have been uh, against Nebraska. So it just kind of puts into context how rare this stretch of just gut punch losses has really been for the Huskers. And unfortunately, it's almost a situation where it's a wash, rinse, repeat. I mean, it's it's the same formula every single time. The, you know, Nebraska has a chance to seal the game in the final minutes. They can't get it done. The defense gives up a game-winning drive at the end, and uh, Nebraska's left trying to pick up the pieces once again. So it's 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 been an extremely frustrating run here for uh, not only the team, but for the fan base as well. Dan, it almost kind of, you know, in 2012, Nebraska had that magical carpet ride of all these crazy, unlikely comebacks. It's almost like the football gods and the casinos have said, hey, you know what? The house always comes back and wins. I mean, Nebraska had all that luck a couple years ago, and now it's almost like a complete mirror reversal um, with the way these games have ended for Nebraska. Yeah, and poor Mike Riley is the one who's paying that casino bill right now. (laughs) But, I mean, you know, you look at each of these close losses Nebraska's had, and, I mean, they've had their opportunities to win them. You know, against BYU, all you got to do is bat down one pass. Against Illinois, you know, a bad Illinois offense has to go, what, 78 yards with no timeouts and less than a minute left. You let a guy behind you. Yeah. And then this past weekend, I mean, Minnesota, they, you know, they only had to kick a field goal, but they had to go about 50 yards with a minute and no timeouts left. And Joel Stave is the quarterback. I'm, You know, yeah, Nebraska's had some close losses, but these are games that they really need to be coming through in. 
Yeah, they. I mean, I, I look at. I mean, they should be four and two at minimum. I agree. And five and one is is not out of the. I, I'd take the Miami loss. The Miami mm-hmm. loss, they should have lost. They, yeah. they yeah. were fortunate to get back in that one. But the other ones you mentioned, yeah, I mean, you, you, you should have gotten at least two of the three we just talked about. I do feel like Wisconsin, though, in a lot of elements, outplayed Nebraska Saturday. You, you look at what they did, other than, Dan, and you broke this down pretty nicely on Saturday, other than the second quarter, Wisconsin dominated a lot of that game, uh, particularly with their defense. Nebraska had 41 yards in the third quarter. They had 13 of their 17 plays across the Wisconsin 50. On the flip side, Nebraska's defense was on the field for almost 25 plays in the fourth quarter. I mean, there were a lot of things when you look at the, the, the raw numbers where Wisconsin dominated that game. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if you look at Tommy's passing, I, I want to say he was 8 of 10 in the second quarter, and he had three completions the rest of the game. I mean, it's just kind of mind-boggling sometimes when you look at these up-and-down stats that Nebraska has. At times, they look so good. And and just at other times, they just look like they have no idea what's going on out there, and it's tough to you know be able to tell why. And Robin, you uh, sat in on all Danny Langstorff this week. What, what was kind of his take on just some of the struggling passing numbers with this offense. Because I, I do think that is the problem the last few weeks. Yeah, I mean, basically he chalked it up to just not being on the same page, both from Tommy to the receivers to the offensive line. to Everything is just kind of off right now, which is pretty obvious when you watch them. But, uh, you know, he he credited Tommy with a, a big portion of that. You know, I mean, it's, he's throwing off his back foot sometimes when he's under pressure, kind of reverting to some of those mistakes we saw from him earlier in his career, um, you know, and he's not necessarily finding the right reads. And, and so some of those lingering issues with Tommy are still there, especially when things, you know, the pressure gets turned up. But, uh, you know, he's in the past two games, Nebraska's dropped eight balls from what the coaching staff has. They had six against Illinois and two uh, against Wisconsin. So his receivers aren't necessarily helping him. And, you know, you, you catch you know, all eight of those, all of a sudden his completion percentage looks a whole lot better. And then, uh, you know, he even credited Ryan Reeves with some bad snaps. You know, he's snapping the ball high, which is throwing Tommy's whole timing off. And in this really, That's a good point. In a real time, timing heavy offensive pa- uh, passing game. Uh, so there, there's a whole bunch of different factors that for whatever reason, I mean, the first four games of the season, Nebraska's passing offense was unbelievable. And, you know, Thomas Armstrong's on putting up career numbers. He's leading the Big Ten in passing. And for whatever reason, over the past two weeks, uh, there's something has just there's been a wrench thrown in the gears and that's the kind of been the the struggle for this offense now is to figure out how to get things back on track you're listening here to the husker online show sean callahan robin washett dan hop and on the flip side though dan this defense has taken some steps forward they they still are struggling against the pass uh but to hold wisconsin to about 240 yards through three quarters um to limit their ground game to well over under 100 really for the first three they did their job Saturday, just like they did their job at Illinois. Um, this defense is only giving up around, what, 23 points a game for Nebraska, uh, which for the yard numbers, it shows you how stingy they've been in the red zones, um, how tough touchdowns have been to come, have been uh, to get against them. But for whatever reason, um, you know, it's the depth. I think the depth, Dan, is, is what – um, slowed Nebraska down Saturday because for three quarters they shut Wisconsin's offense down in a lot of areas and held them to really limited yardage. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. This defense has really stepped up the last couple weeks. They've played pretty well. You know, I know Joel Stave, he threw for 322 yards. That's more than he should ever throw for. But he also attempted 50 passes. I mean, he was throwing it all over the Because they couldn't run it. Exactly. And I thought Nebraska's defense played really well. And they've they've done it with injuries. 
The major thing that I worry about defensively, and I'm sure we'll get into this more in the defensive segment, is this team isn't forcing turnovers at all. They're, the last turnover they forced came in the first quarter against Southern Miss. That was 221 plays ago Jeez. that they haven't forced a turnover on. That's really bad. That's a long of, time. And a lot of dropped interceptions against Wisconsin. There were opportunities there. Yeah, there was probably four that I saw Saturday, and there might have been mm-hmm. more, but I'll just – be conservative that there Nathan Gary particularly oh man he had a tip two. ball that just fell right in his hands there's it, about seven different interceptions he should have had the against Wisconsin that they just need to capitalize on and what that tells me is those guys in the secondary are still putting a lot of pressure on themselves they're just thinking maybe more um, than reacting but been very pleased with the front seven I think the front seven has come to form uh, Vincent Valentine being back made a huge difference. 50 snaps out of that guy. I don't think anybody expected that. Probably not even Vince. Well, and he played great, yeah. He should be fresh. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No question about that. He's, Kevin Williams hopefully back this week. Yeah, he should be. Um, if they could just get this whole group back together for know. one game, maybe maybe they could <laughs> yeah, things they, go if right. If they had all the, the pieces that you know they thought they had going into the year, which they haven't. All season. I mean, from the front seven standpoint, they have not had their you know initial starting lineup for an entire game this, yet this season. And so, uh, you got to give a credit to the defensive coaching staff, particularly Trent Bray, for being able to kind of uh, mismatch all these pieces together because uh, you know this is a group that was thin to begin with, and then you add all these injuries. The level play, the linebackers, has certainly been a pleasant surprise. Well, you're listening here to the Husker Online Show. We'll talk more offensive storylines next and try to get a better idea of what's gone wrong the last few weeks and and what to expect this weekend at Minnesota. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. When a guy like Westerkamp only catches two balls, that's not good enough. But that applies across the board. We have ample weapons uh, we have to be able to get them the ball effectively to be as as good as we can be. Oh, it's extremely frustrating. It's obviously not the way we want to start. And, you know, what's happened's happened, and we just got to continue to work and see what's, what hasn't been working and fix it and just continue to get better. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Dan Hoppin, and Robin Washett. We're talking offensive storylines as Nebraska gets ready for their showdown at Minnesota. It's a 2-30 game uh, on the road in Minneapolis. The Huskers have lost their last two now to the Gophers after – um, a winning streak that dated back for many, many years. And uh, you heard Mike Riley, you heard Jordan Westerkamp. And uh, let's start on that topic. Um, you look at just the weapons of what this offense has, Dan, and, and you write this down really better than anybody in the Nebraska media as far as targets, drops, um, distances of throws. I mean, you've got the whole phone book of numbers here. And in Jordan Westerkamp, the last three weeks, three catches – for 16 yards, this from a guy that was on pace to have over a thousand on the season before the last two weeks. Yeah, I mean he he's just really slowed down, and at least against Illinois, he still had seven targets. So Tommy was still looking for him a lot. But last week against Wisconsin, three targets. I mean, I know that you know when Demorne Pearsonell comes back, obviously he's going to take away targets from some other guys, and and he had five last week. So you know th- those are going to take away from guys, but. You still got to look for for Jordan Westerkamp. He's, I think, far and away the most reliable member of this receiving core. And the other guy coming out of non-conference play, Brandon Riley, was also on pace for a thousand yards, and he doesn't even have a catch the last two weeks. So, a couple of Nebraska's top receivers have really kind of found some struggles once we've hit Big Ten play here. Well, he's had, yeah, the only one he had was that Illinois one in the fourth quarter. It was like a little fifteen-yarder. Um, 
that that was. Oh yeah, you you are right. He did have one catch, I and mean, that was. I mean, yeah. but yeah, he's been in, no one. I mean, other than Seathan Carter's broken play that he caught like sixty yards against Illinois, and then the Alonzo Moore play. I mean, what other explosive plays have they got in the passing game? I mean, that that was the bread and butter of this offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, it goes back to whatever happened at the start of Big Ten play. Uh, has just completely shut down this passing game. I mean, look look back to those first four games. I mean, Nebraska was throwing the ball all over the field and you know getting everyone involved. Uh, you know, Tommy Armstrong was you know looking like a wheeling and dealing uh, quarterback there. And then you know I, I just don't. It, it's one of those baffling things that you know just all of a sudden you can completely have a, a passing game that was clicking on all cylinders just uh, get completely knocked off course. And so it's it's one of those things that this coaching staff really has to get figured out and. Um, you know, going back to, you know, Danny Langsdorf's interview earlier this week, he said, you know, one of the things that they just need to continue to do is find the right plays that Tommy Armstrong uh, does well. And I think that's going to include a lot more bootleg plays because, you know, he was asked, what are the passes that Tommy does the best? And he says that when he's on, uh, when he's rolling out on the run, being able to kind of just make his playmaking ability, uh, put that to use. And so I think you'll probably see uh, Tommy get rolled out of the pocket a lot more than he has been to try and just, you know, let him go be a football player out there and just get back to basics. And I think that's a good thing. Get Tommy out of the pocket. I think not only when you roll him out, you kind of decrease Tommy's options, you know, give him one or two throws that he can make as opposed to surveying the whole field. I think that's good for him. And it also puts him in a good position to run, which we've seen. Their touchdown that he gave him on Saturday. Exactly. Yeah. You know, that that's that's a good thing for him. When he's out on the perimeter and he can, you know, potentially find a running lane, that's something that's a good thing for Tommy. You're listening here to the Husker Online show as we, we look at the offense and, and kind of where things are at this week. There could be some shakeup on the offensive line. Uh, we already know Nick Gates is out for this game. Um, and Zach Stirrup will start. But the other one, Chungo Condolo has not practiced. And Chris Long has been working as the number one at that spot. And uh, Gerald Foster confirmed that as well um, and said really his struggle has been pass protection. That's why Long would get the edge in that role. Uh, but that would be kind of a random move there to see a guy like Chris Long, who's never played significant snaps in his career, starting at right guard or, or at guard in this mm-hmm. game. Yeah, and this is kind of where you know the all the cr- criticism about Nebraska's philosophy of not rotating on the offensive line might come back to bite them because you know they stuck with that group of five. Uh, all year long and now injuries have finally hit and you got guys that are going to be counted on to you know start and play uh, you know pretty significant minutes uh, that are, are have never played before I mean that that guard situation is probably you know I'm not worried about Zach Sturrup I thought he played really well at the end of the game uh, basically played the entire second half against Wisconsin and he held his own he's a fifth year senior he knows what he's doing so I, I'm not worried about and that Minnesota has good interior defensive line they do yes, they, they do, do. And we've seen what they can do <laughs> a couple of years ago with Rasheed Hageman but no. or Mike Mount or my guess, but uh, so yeah, that's going to be a real concern. I mean, if if Chongo has to miss any time here, you're you're counting on you know a guy in Chris Long who's never played a meaningful snap, or a, a redshirt freshman in Gerald Foster who, like you said, is uh, you know criticizing his own pass blocking abilities. So uh, that could be a real issue here. And I want to get you guys' take on this. I was legitimately surprised to hear the name Chris Long pop up. I just kind of assume dismissed him (laughs) well not not so much dismissing him but just based off what we saw in spring practice and fall camp gerald foster looked like one of the better offensive linemen just not only among the backups but among the team i mean i kind of thought all along the season there might be some point where he might push one of those starting guards to the bench just because he was so talented 
Now, the fact that there's an injury and he's not getting out there, I was really surprised to You would that. think that, though, there could be a quick hook. If Long struggles in this game yeah. and, and there's a lot of interior pressure, um, they're going to go to Foster on Saturday. And, you know, Chris is a great kid. I've known him since he was at Blair. Um, you know, paid his dues as a walk-on in the program. And I think he came in here as about maybe 250, 240. He's developed into an offensive lineman. So uh, you're happy for this kid that that's paid his dues. But you're right, Dan. I, I was surprised, too. I, I assumed it was a foregone conclusion that we'd see Foster be the starter. Well, and, you know, but for as bad as he may be in uh, pass protection, talking about uh, Gerald Foster here, I mean, what's the best way to correct those issues is experience. Get the kid on the field. Let him just, you know, learn and grow on the field. I think that that's not a bad problem to have, especially as you build towards the future. Couple, a couple other offensive notes I'm going to get through here. Uh, Jordan Stevenson will continue to only be on kickoff return. He's not getting reps uh, with the offense right now. He's still working scout team. Uh, you'll continue to see kind of a grab bag of Terrell Newby, Andy Janovich, Amani Cross, and Divino Zigbo. Um, just that's what it is right now. That's where the running back position is for Nebraska. Um, and then Alex Lewis, guys, I wanted to bring this up for discussion. Um, he gave a kind of a rah-rah pep talk to the team this week and Andy Janovich spoke about it as well and and, and whatnot so uh, you know I, I know we're we've been critical of Alex I've been very critical of Alex deservedly so uh, but he um, seems to have kind of turned the corner at least with the guys in the locker room this week yeah and that's important I mean you're, you're a team captain for a reason it's kind of your responsibility so it's good to see that you know he's kind of put that on his shoulders and you know taking that responsibility to step up and be a vocal leader because uh, right now this team needs all the leadership it can get and at the same time, I mean, I don't want to sound like whiny media guy or sound like, you know, as reporters, we're entitled to anything. But the fact that he hasn't spoken to them, I mean, when was the last time he spoke to Was um, it after the Miami game, maybe? It was around the South Alabama or... Yeah, I mean, it's been over a month now. And easily, you know, since this whole, uh, you know, this whole thing up at Illinois happened a couple weeks ago, hasn't spoken to the media... You know, it's not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things, but you'd think maturity-wise, just step up to the mic and just, you know, apologize, try to explain yourself. I just don't understand why he's avoided this so well, much. I think I think naturally he is somewhat insecure about some things. That's mm. just my opinion. I mean, if, if you do yeah. some of the things he does, that, that is some insecurity um, because you've got to be more mature than what he's shown. And in the last two weeks, he has played good football and he has played better, at least particularly Saturday. Agreed. Offensive line played great Saturday. They Wisconsin did. had no sacks. And some of that's Tommy Armstrong's ability to escape. Uh, but to hold Wisconsin and Joe Schobert and these guys to no sacks, uh, that was a really good game by those guys. Yeah, that's the best pass rush they're going to see all season long. And so, I mean, for them to hold up with zero sacks uh, for a team that was averaging three sacks a game coming in, uh, that's impressive. Another good defense this week, uh, guys. Minnesota, quick thought here. Um this will, you know, this will be right up there with Wisconsin. I mean, they, they have a great secondary. They're going to give Nebraska problems. So, uh, to me, this will be kind of the deciding matchup of the game, how Nebraska's offense does against a very stout, disciplined Jerry Kill defense. And they give you a lot of different looks defensively. Both the coaches and players this week have talked about how, you know, Minnesota, they can run a lot of different things out of, you know, similar formations. So, it's going to be tricky for Nebraska to sometimes identify what Minnesota's throwing out. I'm going to take a lot of preparation this week to try and get ready for that stuff. All right, that's enough uh, offense talk. We'll talk Nebraska defense and kind of how they'll match up against the Gophers next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Josh right now, is we're planning on him going. 
Uh, Michael is kind of day by day, and so that's kind of where we're at with both of us. The number one will be his leadership. Uh, he was playing at a pretty high level be before he got hurt. You know, at the same time, Chris Weber's been playing well, but uh, we, we welcome uh, Josh back. He's, uh, uh, you know, he's one of the mainstays uh, amongst the group. I think just having him in the huddle adds a lot, you know, and then again, just he's got to stay healthy. And back here on the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Dan Hopp, and Robert Washett, we're talking Nebraska defensive storylines heading into Saturday's game at Minnesota. And one of the big storylines to watch will be the return of middle linebacker Josh Vanderis, uh, who has been sidelined since the Miami game with a growing injury. It's kind of been a reoccurring theme with several different players on the defense. Uh, Michael Rose-Ivy, as you heard, linebackers coach Trent Bray, uh, probably not going to be available this week, and I'm told that's going to be a nagging deal for him. I mean, it will be interesting to see if he'll even be at 100%, but Kevin Williams could also be back on the defensive line, guys. But let's start with Banderas and, and maybe what he could bring to the table, uh, just having him back and healthy. Well, unfortunately, you know, it's basically you get one guy back again and lose another with Chris Weber's status and doubt with that neck injury. He hasn't practiced uh, all week so we'll have to see kind of how he finishes up the week and if he's going to be available but uh, the good news is like you're right you get you get your black shirt you know middle linebacker back and uh, that's that's big not only just from a, a talent standpoint but I mean this guy has a lot of uh, just th that that it factor just from a leadership standpoint on the field I mean he's the quarterback of that defense you know he really uh, has taken on that role uh, of the mic uh, on the field and, um, and just from a leadership standpoint on the field I think getting Josh Banderas back in the mix you know especially with the, the injuries that you know this defense has had to play through over the past few weeks uh, will be a nice boost nothing against Banderas but I honestly don't know necessarily if it's an upgrade getting him back and that I think that says more to the play of Chris Weber you know he's not as physically gifted as Josh is but he's played great over the past three weeks he actually leads Nebraska in tackles he's done a really nice job filling in there he's a smart kid he's he's more quiet than Josh but I think he is a you know one of those quiet leader type of guys and uh you know, Nebraska would love to have him out there again this weekend. Hopefully he can get out there and go. Yeah, Chris Weber has a neck injury, so we don't know um, what his status will be. And you could tell in the fourth quarter he was um, pretty banged up. He had to come out. And it, the two plays he came out there, Wisconsin had like 23 rushing yeah. yards. So you, you know what his presence meant last week, even with just the way he fills his run gaps, the discipline he plays with. And um, he's a mirror image of what Trevor Roach gave Nebraska at times a year ago. Uh, but, yeah, Banderas back. Um, you know, let, let's stick on that defensive line. I mean, you, you get Kevin Williams back. And, you know, this is a, a good storyline to watch as well. If Kevin Williams, not only will he be back, yeah, he confirmed to us this week uh, there's a very good chance he'll get a six-year of eligibility for 2016. Um, and it's pretty much a slam-dunk, open-shut case. He's missed two entire years of the injury. Um, so he will get it. It's a matter of if he wants it, and he does want that. So it will be a big boost to get Kevin Williams back on Saturday and maybe some role, but also next year. Yeah, it's a feel-good story for him. I mean, this is a guy who I think is pretty talented. By all accounts, he's a really good kid, and he just has not been able to stay healthy his whole career, whether it's been ACL tears or or uh, you know, a thumb injury or nagging groin injuries. It's always something with him, and you just feel for him, and you wish you could see him out there, and hopefully you know, he'll be able to not only be healthy for the rest of the season, but going into next year too, because you know, you don't maybe Malik or Vincent, you know, takes their chances at the NFL and he'll get a chance to start. We don't really know at this point. It's funny, uh, Kevin Williams enrolled early out of high school, so this spring will be his 
six spring. Wow. Usually you have one less spring than your uh-huh. year, years of eligibility, and he will have gone through six springs at Nebraska. I mean, he's been around. I think he's going to have his master's degree finished here. Yeah, good for him. I mean, you got to give him credit to, to be able to push through all these setbacks as he's had. I mean, uh, that says a lot just about you know his his mental uh, fortitude that, that he's able to kind of overcome all these you know you know I mean, devastating knee injuries that some might might have considered a career ender that uh, you know not only has he made it this far but you know he's ready to give it a go one more year and finally uh, you know have that breakout injury free year that he's been hoping on. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Watcha, Dan Hoppen as we talk defensive storylines uh, heading into Saturday's game at Minnesota and I'll just get to the elephant in the room, guys, the, the secondary play. Um, it, it continues to be the question of this defense. Um, they played decent on Saturday at times. They had a lot of pass breakups. They dropped, though, a lot of interceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, when you see on that tackle sheet, when it's Kalu and Cockrell leading your team in tackles, that's typically not a good sign. You don't want your corners having that many tackles because that means the receivers are catching a lot of balls. We saw that Saturday. Um Dan, give me some hope here. Mitch Leidner is not Joel Stave, <laughs> um, but it, you know the, the, you have to expect that they're going to try to throw the ball with out routes, comeback routes, etc. Yeah, Mitch Leidner is probably one of the how can I say this nicely least accurate quarterbacks in the Big Ten. Trying not to uh, you know say too much bad about him, but yeah, he's he's not a great thrower. He is a decent runner, so Nebraska is going to have to watch that. But yeah, that was the baffling thing. You really go back to Saturday, and Nebraska just got murdered by comeback routes. I mean, every time it seemed like there was a critical third down or Wisconsin, you know, making a big play, it was just a comeback route. And Nebraska's, you know, corner was just a step behind. I think that's something that Mark Banker and Brian Stewart are really going to have to look at this week and try and correct against Minnesota. Yeah, it was like they were really trying to be conservative against the play action and just not let anything get behind them. Mm-hmm. Well, the problem was they let a lot get in front of them. <laughs> and Joel Stave was very accurate uh, with a lot of those throws, especially to Alex Erickson. Now, Nebraska broke up a lot, but, you know, the, the, that pass rush in the fourth quarter wasn't there either. You know, I think if Nebraska would have had more fresh bodies, yeah. they could have gotten more pressure on Joel Stave, but he had all day to throw in that fourth quarter when they needed to get points. Yeah, and that's uh, we're talking about Kevin Williams earlier. That's going to help just provide a little bit more depth and allow Malik Collins to continue to move around uh, the line like he has been. And I think that's generated some of Nebraska's best pass rush in the absence of Freedom Akamoladun, uh, that, you know, they move him. They, put Malik on the outside, they have him standing up, and he basically picks the gap, kind of what they did with Randy Gregory. And so having more depth at D-tackle will allow them to do more, which should help boost the pass rush a little bit. Daniel Davey uh, should be back this yeah. week as well. I mean, do you guys think we'll see him, though? I mean, is is his star kind of faded, or would they maybe give him a chance? Well, I mean, you know, we didn't really see him much really after that first Miami game. Yeah, maybe two or three drives against mm-hmm. Miami. I don't think we've seen him. I mean, he's been hurt the last couple weeks, but – you know, I mean, I wouldn't expect to see him a whole lot. You know, Josh Kalou, Jonathan Rose, Chris Jones, they've kind of been getting the majority of the reps, and they haven't been superstars. But, you know, we talked about how the defense has looked better the last couple of weeks, and those guys, 
Rose had a rough day Saturday, but other than that, I think they played pretty well. Kalu played all right. Well, yeah. Here's the deal with Daniel Davey. I mean, going into the season, he was regarded as your number one cornerback. And, you know, for whatever reason, he gave up a, a lot of big plays early and his confidence just went down the sink. So uh, he's had plenty of time, I mean, since that Miami game to sit back and kind of reevaluate everything, get his head right. And so from a talent standpoint, obviously the coaches think he's good enough because he was their number one guy, their, their starter. And so as long as he can get that that mental block um, out of his head that, you know, he's not going to give up a big play every time he's out there, I think that he certainly should have a role. Uh, I mean, but that's the only way you find that out is by putting him out there and, you know, seeing how he responds in, in live action. Well, it'll be interesting to see kind of how that plays out when we come back here on the Husker Online Show. We'll bring in Nate Klaus to the discussion and we will do our weekly stock watch report. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. It was, it was a struggle for a little bit, but uh, at the end of the day, I just wanted to be here for my, my teammates. And, you know, I was, I was still practicing hard, still try to bring energy to practice and, uh, you know, make this team uh, as good as it could be. I thought he came in and filled in well. He, uh, he's got some experience, played that right side in the past. And, you know, anytime you get a starter hurt, you, you, kind, of, you kind of worry about it. But I thought he came and played well for us. And back here on the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus and Robin Washett, uh, Dan Hoppen, as we're now on the stock watch report, and I'm going to start off, guys, uh, my stock up for the week, Zach Stirrup. You know, he, he has basically been sitting on the rocks for the last five weeks waiting for his turn. He gets in with an injury to Nick Gates, and, and you know, there was a little bit of nerve uh, in my eyes because how is he going to play without getting a lot of game snaps? Well, he stepped right in and, and looked great, and he was confident. And I like his attitude. He was very positive about the situation. He complimented Nick Gates. So that is my stock up for the week. You got to give him credit. I mean, that's a fifth-year a fifth year senior, right? He redshirted. Right. He was a four-star recruit. Yeah, who took a back seat to a redshirt freshman and didn't complain, didn't whine, just kept his head down, kept working. You hate to see Nick Gates go down because he's played really well, but you got to give credit to Zach Serp, and you got to be happy he's kind of getting a second chance. Robin, who do you have for your weekly stock up? I'm going to uh, hit it the hard court here with uh, some some hoops and talk about uh, Siobhan Shields, the one of only two seniors on Nebraska's 2015-16 squad here. But uh, on Thursday, Tim Miles was in Chicago at Big Ten Media Days and had some pretty uh, glowing uh, reports uh, about uh, Siobhan, saying that he was actually pretty surprised that Shields wasn't included on the the ten uh, preseason that the ten player preseason All Big Ten team that was announced on Wednesday and uh, said that in his mind, if Siobhan has the type of season that he expects from him this year, he could be a potential NBA player. So uh, some pretty lofty praise for uh, the senior captain. And, uh, you know, if he can get that outside shot put together, I mean, there's no reason Siobhan can't put up some pretty good numbers this year. Dan Hoppen, stock up. Marcus Newby. I think he's really kind of taken this advantage uh, with Michael Rose-Ivy hurt. He's really taken um, advantage of, you know, kind of that open spot and he's run with it. I thought he played tremendously on Saturday. He had four pass breakups. Trent Bray said two of them came on third down, so those got Nebraska's defense off the field. Really good job by him. I hope he continues to get these opportunities because he's a really talented kid. 
Nate Klaus, what's your stock up for the week? Stock up to Memorial Stadium atmosphere. I mean, uh, and you could tell before the game even started that the, the fans were out and they were they were pretty riled up. And uh, after that Janovich touchdown, that the atmosphere inside Memorial Stadium uh, was just rocking. They, with the let me clear my throat playing, I mean, all the players – all the fans were dancing. Even uh, the old people were dancing. Everybody was dancing. It was it was an awesome atmosphere. All the recruits that were in attendance mentioned uh, how great that was. And um, I mean, I, I just think that the overall atmosphere on against Wisconsin was one of the best that we've seen in a long time. Even the basketball recruits in attendance were jacked up about that. So that was a, a top ten moment for me for Memorial Stadium. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's move down stock down. I'm going to start it out um, with the receivers in general. I mean, just their lack of identity in the offense the last two weeks I think has played a big part in why Nebraska's lost to Illinois and Wisconsin, particularly Jordan Westerkamp with just three catches for 16 yards over the last two weeks. If they, if Nebraska wants to make a bowl game, the receivers have to get going this week. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Westerkamp getting three catches, like you said, in, in two games is unacceptable because he's maybe one of your best players on offense. Robin, what's your stock down for the week? Stock down is he's been kind of the talking point around this team for the past couple of weeks is Jordan Stevenson uh, coming out of his red shirt to basically field touchbacks at kick returner. And, uh, you know, it, it's not a knock on the coaching staff because I firmly believe this was almost an entirely Jordan Stevenson decision. Yeah, so you, you can't really knock the coaches because – uh, you got to keep kids happy, but uh, for him to, you know, basically demand to come out of his red shirt halfway through the season to basically be a kick returner in an era where the kick return is basically a lost part of the game, like no one even returns kicks anymore, uh, and then not even take reps from the second or even third team at running back. He's a scout team running back, and according to Reggie Davis, really has um, no sign of getting in that running back mix anytime soon. It just seems like a very questionable decision made by a young kid that probably got a little too anxious sitting on the bench. Reggie Davis, I, I joked with him, I go, were you surprised that he actually showed the discipline there to take the knee? Because, you know, you're thinking a guy yeah. like that is going to be like, YOLO, I'm coming out, baby. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and he, he surprisingly showed some discipline, though. So that is somewhat of a – I was encouraged that, you know, he wasn't trying to win the war by himself. Um, and put Nebraska on like the eight yard line with field position. I mean, he at least had the foresight to take a knee. Well, it looked like he wanted to a couple times, and Jordan Nelson got in front of him. It was like, hey, Jordan young, Nelson. hey, young buck, you take a knee. You're eight yards deep in the end zone, man. Dan Hoppin, what is your stock down for the week? Mine is the lack of turnovers that Nebraska is forcing. They've only forced six all year, and uh, four of those came, or yeah, four of those came in the first two games. Um, right now, they're averaging. Uh, 73.7 plays between turnovers, uh, 90 passing attempts between turnovers. So opposing quarterbacks are throwing 90 passes per average between interceptions. I mean, that, that's just a crazy high number. And Nebraska's had their hands on a lot of footballs lately. They just haven't come down with them. It's not getting it done. Nate Klaus, uh, let's close with your stock down for the week. Stock down on officiating. I think that uh, over the past couple of weeks, the officiating has been kind of questionable. At least you could say it's been um, inconsistent, probably, especially when you look at some of the, the pass interference penalties that have been called, either that have been called or have not been called. And then, you know, you look at um, the uh, the personal foul that was called on Mike Riley for, for pointing at a ref. You know he didn't cuss because Mike Riley doesn't cuss. He pointed at a ref. and they, they, Christmas. They throw a flag on the guy. Um, you know, I, I don't know 
I, I just it's, how it's about the one where they call Chungo Kendobo off the line of scrimmage? I mean, when were you ever? You've never is seen a, that. When is a guard off yeah. the line of scrimmage? It, and I, I will say that I think Chongo was uh, was backed up a little bit to help you know give him uh, depth. Yeah, depth on on that pole. But I mean, there's just been some head scratching calls, um, and uh, especially the I think the consistency with the pass interference has been you know something that that has surprised me. All right, Nate, Robin, looking forward to a weekend in Minneapolis where we see what Dan Hoppen eats now because we know Dan Hoppen loves the road trips. Well, I'm kind of nervous, though, because the low for Friday night is 29 degrees. So I'm bringing my winter coat and going to face winter for oh, the first time. Hey, that is not what I want to hear. We're no. driving, so you, you, no can, snow. you can take extra no coats. Snow. And looking forward to it, guys. Thanks. Uh, we come back here. We'll close out with recruiting talk and Nate Klaus. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan with Nate Klaus as we close things out talking Husker recruiting, Nate, and uh, really it was the biggest weekend we've seen for Mike Riley and his staff by far, um, not only with official visitors but unofficial visitors. Um, when you when you look at the shakedown of the weekend, obviously everything went right other than the game itself uh, with Nebraska losing. Absolutely. I think, you know, there's going to be a point in time where you can look back at this weekend and, and say that was a pivotal weekend, not just for the 2016 class, but the especially the 2017 class going forward. And, you know, no commitments right away, but uh, each and every kid that you, that we talked with following uh, the Wisconsin game just raved about their trip. They, they raved about the atmosphere um, and, and really the future of Nebraska. They, they see a bright future. They, they believe in Mike Riley and the staff and uh, and I think that's a credit to to the coaches how they've been able to to kind of sell the future and, and get out in front of uh, maybe you know a record that doesn't really look too great on paper and, uh, and sell what what lies ahead for these guys. Well, let's stick on the official visitors first and try to get through as much ground as we can here um, as we we kind of give a snapshot of the weekend. Two commits were here as we know. Um, John Reardon and Patrick O'Brien, but then the two uncommitted guys. Let's start with them. Wide receiver C.J. Riley, um, 6'5", 190 pounds out of Florida, very high on Nebraska after the weekend. Uh, it looks good, like that he could end up being a commit. Yeah, it looks very good uh, that for Nebraska with C.J. Riley at this point in time. This was his second time uh, in Lincoln. He visited with his parents over the summer, and following the trip, he, he basically said that he was very close to making a decision. Uh, I got the feeling that he was going to go home and, and kind of talk things out with his parents, see you know whether or not he's going to take his additional visits to Duke or in NC State or not. Uh, but at this point in time I think that it's safe to say Nebraska is his clear leader and then Jaleel Loggins a Georgia kid committed to Georgia as a linebacker I mean just on the surface I think any person that follows recruiting that's a long shot but did anything change in your opinion after this weekend I do think that something has changed with Jaleel and you know he told me that um, when I asked him about his, his status with Georgia he said well you know I committed to them uh, because it felt right at the time. And now it feels right to take visits and look at other places. So really the impression he gave me was that um, 
he's still committed to Georgia, but he's definitely there's a very good chance that he does not end up there. And I think that Nebraska is is definitely a major player for him. When he was going through his list of things that, that he's really looking for, you know, those determining factors, um, you know, he they, he basically listed off each and everything that that he loved about his Nebraska visit, especially the fam, the family based environment and the, the overall atmosphere that uh, surrounds game day. And then one thought here on Patrick O'Brien, when you look at him when he was here, in my opinion, just watching that game and seeing Armstrong struggles, that that probably actually helps Nebraska with him. Just he knows that he's coming in here with a great opportunity. There's no doubt about it. He he has a very good relationship with Danny Langstorff. He knows what Danny Langstorff and Mike Riley want to do with this offense, and he was able to see maybe some of the the shortcomings of a guy like Tommy Armstrong, and uh, maybe how the coaches may be limited in what they want to do. And uh, I believe that Patrick O'Brien has the tools to really fit in, um, you know, perfectly with what uh, what the coaches want to do. And I think there's definitely an opportunity for him. To, to you know work his way up the depth chart you know when you talk about a guy with with his skill set that's going to be on campus in just a few short months you're listening here to the Husker online show we're talking recruiting and wrapping up the big weekend with Nate Klaus as uh, Nebraska you know moving through this recruiting class uh, but the, the bigger storyline I think on the weekend Nate was the unofficial visitors that showed up to the game uh, particularly the trio from California uh, that came from Calabasas with Keyshawn Johnson uh, Keyshawn Johnson Jr., uh, the four-star wide receiver, um, you know, obviously a national recruit, four-star rivals 100 quarterback Tristan Jebbia, and five-star cornerback uh, Darnay Holmes. All these guys have have really had their pick of any school to to go to in the entire country. Nebraska has made their you know the final cut, or not necessarily the final cut, but the latest cut for all these all three of these guys. And, um, and I think the most impressive thing is uh, how many times they've been on campus. Keyshawn Johnson Jr., fourth trip to Nebraska. Uh, Darnay Holmes, this is a third trip to Nebraska and the second trip for Tristan Jebbia. These guys love Lincoln. They, they love um, the fans. They love the coaches. Um, I mean, really, the atmosphere, everything that uh, that they've been able to experience at Nebraska has been pretty special. And um, I think the Huskers, you know, have a very good shot at, at landing at least one and, and quite possibly all three of these players. Nate, though, when you look at the situation now at USC with Steve Sarkeesian out. Um, what is your level of concern with USC if they hire maybe the right guy, particularly with Keyshawn Johnson? Uh, because I, th- I think that's why Nebraska was even in this mix right now. Because if, if USC had the right head coach in place, I think Keyshawn Johnson Jr. almost is a slam dunk to be a Trojan, but they didn't. And and that, that Mike Riley's at Nebraska, a former Trojan coach, that really helps Nebraska. But what do you what's your fear level if USC hires maybe the right guy? Well, I mean that's a legitimate concern. If if USC hires the right guy, um, I, I think it's pretty safe to say that you could see a lot of the top talent in Southern California definitely staying home, not necessarily looking at all their options. However, the the thing to consider here, and and something that Keyshawn Senior has made quite clear uh, to me in all my uh, conversations with him, is that. He wants to set 
set up his his child or, or the players that he's involved with. He wants to set them up in uh, the best possible situation to be successful and, and to have a chance like to going on to the next level. And he basically owes everything that uh, that he's been able to accomplish to Mike Riley. He's said it over and over again that that Mike Riley is directly you know responsible for a lot of the success that he had in the NFL and beyond. And um, and, and I think that's why Nebraska will remain in the mix because uh, they run a system that that is you know favorable to get these guys to the next level. I think that uh, uh, Keyshawn Johnson Sr. knows that Mike Riley is the type of guy that is going to be able to prepare these you know, young men both on and off the field to have success um, you know after their playing days in college are over with. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how things play out. If this drags on and uh, maybe they get turned down by a couple big names, I think that will really help Nebraska. If they hit a home run higher with a big name guy, then it's going to make things a little bit more difficult, not only with this group, but but a lot of other kids going forward. And let's wrap up here. A couple of Iowa kids were here, two unofficial visitors, one for 2016 that has, has recently emerged in, in, in a quarterback in Rocky Lombardi for 2017. Yeah, an interesting prospect, Ja'Kai Baker out of Council Bluffs Lewis Central High School. He um, uh, is 6'7", 6'8", 260-pound defensive lineman has uh, you know really come on the scene right now as a as a potential prospect um, you know more of a basketball player uh, before the, the before he really started gaining attention for football uh, but you know could pro- project as a defensive end or even an offensive tackle I think Nebraska's taken a close look to see you know maybe what his growth potential is and then Rocky Lombardi the he 20- intrigues me I don't know why but I'm really intrigued with Rocky Lombardi yeah he is I mean there, you don't see too many quarterbacks quarterbacks, uh, underclassmen quarterbacks uh, with his size. He's about 6'2", 6'3", 190 pounds, 195 pounds, who is a four-sport athlete, uh, state champion, wrestler, uh, you know, obviously the quarterback of one of the top teams in the state of Iowa, and then also plays baseball and runs track. So, I mean, very intriguing kid. He's a hard-nosed player, um, could even quite possibly project to a couple of other positions, but uh, definitely a, a guy to keep an eye on um you know and he's talented he's not just a a gritty hard-nosed guy he he can throw the ball he's a very talented player so um and it's always nice to have a little bit of a connection you know with him being good friends and and teammates with uh husker commit john raritan and nate this weekend we'll be in minneapolis but you and greg peterson will be up in sioux falls watching uh matt farniak Uh, it will be interesting to see uh what the sioux falls washington native has to say with where nebraska stands after this weekend he's been a little bit quiet with uh in terms of doing interviews I think he's really focused on his senior season and they're having a great year uh, only one loss on the season so uh, it'll be fun to watch him play in person and uh, and see what he has to say in terms of uh, where he's at with the process well Nate safe travels this weekend thanks again here as uh, we put a close here to another edition of the Husker Online Show thanks again for joining us this week on HuskerOnline.com your authority on Nebraska athletics